Welcome to Build Your Tribe with your host, Shalene Johnson. Darren, thanks so much for coming back on the show. You're like my most popular and most demanded guest at the moment. (laughs) You're most welcome. Yeah, I guess people realize, okay, I should probably be taking this far more seriously than I thought I needed to. So if I can, can I just rapid fire ask you the questions that people have been asking most frequently on my Facebook page? Sure. Okay, cool. So, and, you know, we're going to talk about things that people need to know. This isn't like high level security. This is just basics still. These are basics that most people don't have in place. And we're going to go there today. But just to give people their quick answers to questions, um, let's just start with the most popular ones that have come in on Facebook. All right, here they are. Uh, Number one is security questions. They are the same on almost all my sites. Um, at least, you know, like uh, in terms of, you know, your mom's middle name, those sort of things. How do I get around that? Well, just because of the same on all those sites, does that mean your answers have to be the same? No. So what did we talk about last time? We referred to not answering them honestly. Okay. You need to randomize those answers and use generated passwords for them. So use your password manager to generate that answer. And that way you don't even know the answer. Therefore, somebody else isn't likely going to guess that answer. Okay, And then if you don't do that, just don't answer them honestly. Now, for me, that used to... So I'm going to speak on behalf of my lifer because they're like me. They're like, I can barely remember my own kids' birth dates, let alone all this stuff. So, y'all, here's the deal. That's why you have to have a manager, an application that manages all this for you. You don't, nor should you even try to remember these things. They will be generated and stored in your manager, your password manager. Second question, I think my passwords are pretty strong, but how much of my stuff is at risk? Like, do I really need to protect myself with as much stuff as you and Shalene have been covering? All of it, it is all (laughs) at risk. And I know that sounds intimidating and scary, but in reality, it's true. That's the whole point of what we're talking about. Any activity that you conduct online is essentially at risk. That's why it's important to protect it all with the maximum of the information that's available to you. Now, I've run into so many people since this happened where they're like, I get it, but like, what would they want from me? And I'm like, Uh I'm like, okay, first of all, your bank account. But secondly, I mean, do you, do you really want the wrong people having the wrong information about you? And it's not about like whose radar you're on. It's just, it can be a database. Am I right? That's right. So your information is out there. So don't make it easy, right? We're not going to make it easy for people to get into our lives. At least put up some level of protection, take the precautions that we've discussed and set yourself up for more likelihood of not getting hacked. You know what I mean? We don't want to make it just so somebody can just walk into our yard and just start perusing through our our yard and looking in our house. Oh, it's unlocked, good. I'm gonna go in here, I'm gonna look through their files, I'm gonna look through everything. That's essentially what we're doing. Nobody would do that in the real world, but because it's online, they think, ah, who's gonna mess with me, right? Who's gonna mess with me? I don't have, uh, you know, 600,000 followers or anything, so why do I need to protect myself? Mm -hmm. But that's the whole reason. I mean, these kids are after a quick 50 bucks. And I mean, there are huge organizations that this is the the business of hacking into people's personal information and and getting in and getting out. So we have to make it tougher for them. Okay, the next question is, how reliable is the password strength ratings that are shown when I'm using my password manager and creating new passwords in these accounts? 
Generally, they're a pretty good recommendation. Essentially, though, I want you to think about it like this. They're giving you the answers to the test. Literally. They're telling you exactly what the recipe is that makes the strongest password possible. Okay. So let's say they show 8 to 12 characters or 8 to 21 characters. Do you want to pick 8 when you can pick 21? No. If you're allowed to use symbols, digits, which symbols? Sometimes you might have a problem if they only allow certain symbols, which can be very frustrating if you use like one password, for example, in that case, and you generate it and you're like, yeah, I'm using digits, I'm using symbols, but then, oh, these symbols aren't allowed. So mm. it's kind of one thing we discovered with Cox, right? They allow certain symbols. Mm -hmm. So we had to use those specific symbols mm -hmm. and then make it the max. But we don't have to worry about that because the programs actually read that for us, correct? It does. In most cases, there's just that one rare case where they only allow certain symbols gotcha. and the application can't say to itself, oh, I can only use the question mark, the parentheses, you know, the Got asterisk, it. something like that. Okay, cool. Next, they said, um, this is a really common one. Do I need to worry about old sites where I've listed my information uh -huh. or bought things online or where my information is still there? You mean, is your MySpace safe? <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I actually deleted mine. <laughs> yeah, and that's kind of what I was going to say right there. Uh, you, I would recommend going back, deactivating those accounts that you don't use because, again, why do they need to be open? Mm -hmm. If there's no reason to be open, don't have them open. But let's just say you want to hold on to that and the outside chance that one of those platforms becomes the most popular site <laughs> again in the world, right. then go in there and secure it, right? We're right. going to secure it once and for all, and then we're just going to not go back to it. Okay. We know it's secure at that point. And that way we're going to be notified if anybody does try to get into there. Okay, that's so good. Um, if I can just share something that I had to do to just so I could sleep better, right? And that was, okay, I've got to go through all my old emails and just look for things that I've registered for. Look for places. Mm. And so I started going through old, old, old emails to figure out, okay, where, you know, and that would spark my memory. And then I started creating a master list because instead of going into each one and changing them as I went, I wanted to create just a master list and then decide, okay, prioritize these. Where could there be some information that is compromising? And just going through that item by item by item, just every time I check one off, I feel calmer and more peaceful and more secure. Absolutely. Okay, the next one is, I know my email provider isn't safe, but I <laughs> dread the transaction from switching from the account that I've been using since I was in high school to one that offers more security. Do I really need a safer email? How do I do this? Do you have advice for me? Yeah. So this is funny. We actually talk about this in our talks about social media. And what does your email address say about you? So if mm. you are using Hotmail, AOL, Yahoo, Cox, these ones that kind of date you, yeah. then maybe it's time to move on, right? Maybe it's time to step into that next era of email. <laughs> so do you dread it as much as having all your information exposed? Think about that. Right. Do you really dread that one Sunday you're gonna spend kind of taking the time to do this while you watch TV as much as you dread having all your stuff given to the world out there? Right, right. It's not as bad, right? I think you can do it. So true. Um, and, you know, I, I think we have to just realize the sooner you do this, the better. It's like that person who starts 
hoarding almost like you're you just keep bringing things home and you're like yeah i'm gonna clean out the garage someday yeah i'm gonna clean out the living room someday you just bite the bullet and clean it one room at a time you know that's the key here is to consistently go through this and take on new practices and habits the next one this is a really popular one like everyone has texted called me i've seen this on my facebook twitter are the password management software programs are those hackable like you know what i'm putting all my information in one spot isn't that kind of scary of course and yes it is given the right amount of time so mm. what does that I'm mean gonna, well think about it like this a computer can just be dedicated to literally trying to deduce your password mm -hmm. and let's say that computer is just literally just plugging numbers going through it, boom 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 just constantly 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 until it eventually figures out oh there's the first character i got the first character then it moves on to the mm. next but with one password i'll just give it to you right from them so even if someone were to break into your cloud service and acquire a copy of your data file say be it that was from icloud or dropbox it would be extremely difficult like approaching impossible in a human lifetime for them to actually gain access to your passwords without knowing your master password. Mm. And this is why your master password is so important. Do not make it that same password that used <laughs> to secure every other site. Yeah. Don't do that. It needs to be long enough, complicated enough. Use symbols, use capital letters, lowercase letters. Think of everything to make that complicated but not so hard that you can't remember it or type it frequently. Okay. So, so that literally secures your digital life. How often so would you, you forget change it, it? You're screwed. True. Uh, you know, I it's it's kind of up to you. Uh, if you feel that it's very secure, maybe you don't change it as often. But if mm -hmm. you're like, the more I learn, uh, you know, this is probably not as secure as I thought it was. Mm -hmm. This used my dad's birthday or my yeah. dog's name or something like that. Right. So really, as you get more confident in this arena, as you get more comfortable, try to see if you can test yourself. These almost become like little memory games, right? So you're challenging yourself. Can I make this a little more difficult and commit this to memory and make this my password? Our overall goal is to get more and more secure. Mm -hmm. So when I first started out with this, I think my password was a lot easier than it is today. Mm -hmm. I remember I changed it to, I probably change it, you know, every six months or so. So it really depends on the person. Yeah. But I recommend using a very secure password. Do not use something that anybody could guess. We're not using names here. We're not using that kind of stuff. Think about how to complicate something or put things together in a way that you will understand and you will commit that to memory, but not so someone else could sit down and go, hmm, you know, I know they love Full House. Let's try Danny <laughs> Tanner. You know? Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> okay, that's great. Um, okay, so this really helped me when you were walking me through this process is you said, Shaleen, from now on, four passwords, because it's really not just one, right? right so right. you said, it, you, here's, here's the deal, for, at least for now, for the next six months until things change again, four passwords, not a hundred, not two, four. And they were, you told me, uh, my iPhone, which we set up to uh, recognize fingerprints, right? right. Um, the second one was iCloud. The third one was, um, I forget. <laughs> so oh, I know my lap, yeah, my computer password. <laughs> yeah. And then the fourth one was um, your the master password that you have for your protection, whatever software program you're using, LastPass, KeyPass, or 1Password. 
Right. So that might be less for other people, right? So for you, that's how many. So if somebody doesn't own a computer and they just live in the world of smartphones and tablets, then they might not have to remember a computer password on top of all that. Mm. So Ooh, it's going to vary. <laughs> You'd be surprised how many yeah. people just own tablets or yeah. just own, own phones which because sure. they're so powerful these days. Again, we live in this digital world where we're making everything easier and everything's in the cloud. So if everything's in the cloud, where do you want to go? Mm -hmm. Do you want to go try to rob somebody's house or go to where their actual important information is in the cloud? It's way easier to get in there. Hmm. So and this, this wasn't a question that came up very often on my Facebook page, but it's one I've discussed with friends. And that is most of their kids are all using their um, iTunes sign in and iClouds mm -hmm. and just like, you know, downloading apps and playing games the parents don't know about and, you know, logging in using their parents' Facebook just so they have like access to this app or this right. game. And and do you have an, an opinion there? I do. Okay. I do. And it used to be more complicated until recently, especially with iOS 8, you know, if we're talking from the Apple ecosystem here. Mm -hmm. So back then people wanted to share their music purchases and they wanted to share those apps and they wanted to share all this stuff. So what people did was they shared one iCloud account. Mm -hmm. um, that might sound familiar <laughs> to some yeah. of you out there. So what's that doing really? I mean, it's opening you up now to all the insecure things that every one of those family members are doing. I'm not saying they're irresponsible, but think of maybe an eight-year-old yeah. doesn't have the same level of experience and ability to judge circumstance as does a 50-year-old. Right. So do we want to give them full access to everything? Probably not the best idea. So if you have an iPhone or an iPad or a Mac, turn on what's called family sharing. So someone in the family will be the family manager. They will actually be able to add up to six people to share all those purchases. So you're talking about your music, you're talking about your apps, all these things like that. Okay. But you can set up parental controls. You can define their ages. You can set it up so people have to actually request to purchase an app from you. And you get a little pop-up that says, you know, Sally would like to buy whatever it is, whatever yeah. cool app it is. And then you just either approve it or no, you don't want her doing that. So you don't approve it. And this also helps you. We've heard those horror stories in app purchase horror stories, right? Where yeah. those kids are playing their games and they rack up like a $50,000 bill yes. in purchasing the, the I have friends that's happened yeah. to. I have and friends so that's happened to. I've had friends, like that. people, you just listen to this. You think it's not going to happen. It does. I mean, I've got two girlfriends, both who had young children download apps, children's games that they thought, oh, yeah, it looks fine. It's a little kid's game to their... um what are they called? iPads, right? And they didn't realize that the app accesses the camera and then they they were playing games back and forth. And they, in both instances, they were sent pornographic pictures via the game. Ooh. So, I mean, you just, I mean, just, you got, we have to pay attention. Like there's creeps out there and there's weird things going on and we can't just go, oh, it's a game called whatever. And it sounds like a children's game. Sure. Download it. Check it out. Look into it. So that's one of the things that I'd really, really, really strongly recommend. <laughs> have your own accounts. I'm mm -hmm. so surprised how often I come in contact with people who, like even if it's a husband and wife and they share an email account, right? Yeah. And this is, again, you're kind of dating yourself there by doing that, right? Mm -hmm. Dating ourselves back to time where you had that one email account. 
email, especially secure email, is readily available to everybody. So we want to have our own accounts because <laughs> just just in case, just in case one of them gets hacked, now you don't have access to the entire family, all the devices, everything, right? Oh, yeah. So that kind of segues into our first topic, really, which okay. is email. Yeah. The primary rule of email before we even talk about what services or anything like that. Don't send secure personal information over email. Okay. Don't do that. Mm. We're going to save that. If you absolutely need to send a social security number or something like that, use a service like iMessage, which we're going to get into in a bit when we talk about phones more in depth. But don't send secure personal information. And I know that's tough, right? Because a lot of times people are asking for stuff. But don't include those credit cards. Yeah, and what you do is you're like, oh, I I trust that person, so I'll just send it to them. But it's not the person who you're sending it to who potentially could be looking at it. Right. And just as most people wouldn't pick up the phone and leave a voicemail that says, hey, this is so-and-so, and and here's my credit card information, so you can go ahead and process transaction. Like, you just don't do that. Most people wouldn't do that. Mm -hmm. So don't do it with your email because that could even be easier for somebody to read, right? Right. Right. So the second thing The second most important thing, never open a link you are unsure about. Always go directly to the site because so often people love to hyperlink text. So they say, hey, click here to download this file or Mm -hmm. hey, click here to reset this or click Mm -hmm. here to do something. So what do we do? Well, our brain wants to click there. It's telling us to click there. I have to click there. It's a must. So you click on it. But where is it really going? So what I recommend here is if you mouse over that click here link, Typically, if you hold there for a couple seconds, it's going to tell you exactly what that link is going to. You can actually see that. So, well, this email has come in that purports to be Bank of America and you hover over it and it's sending you to some weird random site. Hmm. Might not want to click on that, right? What do you mean by hover over? Can you explain? Is that the same on a PC as it is a Mac? Yeah. So, in it's... The contextual menu that's essentially brought up when you hover over something, so like an email address. Mm -hmm. If you hover over that, it might show you more information. Or if you're in your Facebook account and you go to your messages, this is actually a little shortcut. For those that don't want to read a message, but you want to see what is in there before you read it to make Mm -hmm. sure, you know, maybe it's safe, maybe it's secure, maybe it's not. You hover over that text, give it a second. After a couple seconds, it's actually going to show you most of that message. It's ah, just going to hover. Yeah. Okay. It's called the hover. Kind of the hover over. The hover Future. over. Okay. The hover over. Love it. Like, but next, next. that's what I always do. So I always recommend hovering over those links that say click here to actually find out where they're going to go or even copy it if it's not showing up for you and paste it into just a plain text editor or something like that. Then you can see uh, ah. this is not going to where it says it's going. Don't accidentally click on it though, right? Yeah, so just, that's a good uh, tip. Yeah. So you can right click on that and go ahead and copy that, paste it into a plain text editor, like text edit or something like that. Okay. Stickies, anything. That's so great. never open a link you're unsure about. Mm-hmm. So what do you do in that case? You get that email from Bank of America that looks pretty official, but you're just not sure. Go directly to the site. Always go directly to the site. So go into your browser, actually type in bankofamerica.com, make sure it actually goes to that, and then you can proceed to do what they want you to do. Mm. But we're not going to respond to that via the link that they sent us. Okay. Right. Got it. You got to be also aware that they will often mask this in like an unsubscribe link. To unsubscribe, click here. Oh, Lordy. Are you really unsubscribing? So 
really look to make sure that one, those links are going where they say they are, but two, that the email address is actually from the company, the person, something like that. So I heard that's how all of the Target um, employees had, and I'm sorry, customers had their information hacked is by an employee, a form, actually a contractor, uh, responded to what they call a phishing email where it looked like it was from an official source and, and they clicked on it. And sure enough, that's how they gained access into the system. Well, that's how easy it is, right? So Dang. it's one person's negligence can now just mess it up for everybody. Well, like this is weird because, you know, what I teach is email marketing, obviously, and, and, and teaching people to grow their businesses in social media. And we do this all the time. We send emails where we have embedded the link into right. the text. So do you think it's going to be more common practice to say, here's the link so that people can actually see it with instead of just hyperlinking? Yeah. Yeah, I'm finding that a little more. Uh, it depends who I'm talking to. So this is also why I look at the actual recipient too. Like mm-hmm. who is sending the sender? Who is right. sending that? Email. Okay, that so makes sense. So it's look at that. Make sure if I get a message from you, Shalene, and yeah. it says, and I actually hover over that, and it's from Tim at some convoluted domain. Mm-hmm. It's probably not you, right? Right. So right. why would I want to respond to anything inside of this? Right. I would then want to flag it as spam and send to the spam folder. Yeah. Okay. Good, good advice. That's going to change the way I I think we communicate with our customers too. Mm -hmm. I mean, just, it just makes sense. We've got to change practices. You do. You got to adapt, right? You got to adapt. Unfortunately, we have to. Okay. Now what about these people who have AOL and Yahoo and um, accounts that they're like, I've had this since I was in high school. Do I have to delete all of these emails? (laughs) How do I get my new email out to people? Like, how do they handle that? So the process can seem intimidating up front until you actually just sit down and realize, okay, this is doable, right? I'm going to step into the next generation of email. (laughs) I'm going to leave that AOL behind and I'm going to set up a Gmail account. Now, I recommend Gmail. Why do you think I recommend it? Uh, Safety. Safety, right? So it automatically has all the latest features, everything. They, They update it constantly. It has a lot of good technology behind it, but at the same time, it's very safe because of two-factor authentication. But again, when it comes to email, you're only as secure as the information that you use to set it up. So Mm. if we're giving them crappy security questions, we're not turning on two-factor, we're using just a general password like your dog's name, then it's not going to be secure. So you have to use the tips that we've given you up to this point to set up the email securely. Okay, so I get it. So what you're saying to us is... It's not that Gmail's that much safer than another program per se, unless you're using all of the tools that Gmail makes available to us to secure it. Correct. Okay. Now, the process of actually migrating mm-hmm. can seem very intimidating. Okay. And let's, I understand let's, that. Let's I go there because people that. need to do it. Right. So what I like to do, set up that account first. Now, when you're setting up your account, think of the name you want to use. Maybe this is the time too, to kind of step into that more modern professional email than having, you know, Sarah loves soccer or something like that. Right. Right. This might be a time to use your name, use like john.doe or something well, like that. Well, that's what I wanted to ask. Is it, a, should you have, should you use your name? Because that's really easy to guess. It is easy to guess, but also having an address that represents you professionally mm-hmm. can oftentimes, you know, outweigh that. We're going to do everything else right Mm -hmm. so that we can still have that professional looking email. Mm -hmm. 
So when you're sending messages, you aren't being judged on, oh, well, now I know she loves soccer because Sarah in her name, oh, or 87, that's the year of her birth. How many people do that? They always use like their first name and then like 86. They were born in 86. Or the year they graduated from high school. Yeah. They use these very memorable numbers and they put that in something that's now being broadcast to the public every time they send an email message. Should I have more than one? Like... For like, so could, should I be using one when I'm shopping and one that only my, you know, intimate friends know? I love that you just asked that question. So before we step into that, let's finish the migration. Okay. So you've now chosen your email address mm-hmm. and you are setting it up. You know what to do. You're going to use two factor. You're going to use the code to generate and send to you. Should anybody try to lock into your account? You're going to have all this set up correctly. Right. But now what about that AOL account? What about all the messages and all my friends and everybody? So go into that account and turn on forwarding so that those messages now forward to your new address. Those messages will now forward every email that comes in to that new address. Mm -hmm. And you could set it up. It depends on who your email provider is, but oftentimes they'll let you discard the incoming message after it has forwarded. So your box doesn't just get littered with all that email. Right. Overwhelm it. After a period of time, at which you feel everybody has the right email address. Now you can go back and close that out if you want to. Because mm-hmm. again, why are we leaving a, an active account open for somebody to potentially get into later? That makes sense. Okay. Yes. So, so it, you're not putting your new inbox at risk by forwarding emails that are going to an inbox that someone might be able to hack into. No. And that's a nice transition to having multiple email addresses. Mm-hmm. So... If you have something, if you have your own domain, for example, like um, Shalene at ShaleneIsCool.com. Right. And at that ShaleneIsCool.com, you could have multiple forwards all going to your actual account. So you could have banking at ShaleneIsCool.com, travel at ShaleneIsCool.com, whatever. And for each one of those services, you could have that forward, which sends to that primary email address. Basically, it's protecting or masking your email address. What's nice about Gmail and many of the other services is they allow what's called aliases. Mm. So if you have iCloud now, you can actually log into iCloud.com and go check this out in your mail settings. You have aliases. Mm -hmm. So you could have an email address like timcook at iCloud.com, but also let's say Tim loves food at iCloud.com could also forward to that account. So you're allowed to set up multiple email aliases, which work just like an actual address, but all come to your inbox. Ah. It's a nice feature. I like so the way that they do, implement would, that. Would you recommend that I create an alias, like, for example, one for shopping and that we create a, an alias for um, opting into newsletters or freemiums, et cetera? Right. It's a very good idea. And the reason is, is so that if one of those services are compromised, that email address, you can just delete it and set up a new one. Right. Sweet. Mm -hmm. Makes it easy. Now, Gmail implements this a little differently. Okay. So they have aliases, but it's done in a slightly different way. With Gmail, how you create an alias is whenever you are entering your email address. So let's say it's bob at gmail.com. It's Mm going to be bob plus sign, whatever it is you want at gmail.com. Adding that plus sign and then any text after that will still forward that message to you, Hmm. right? Obviously, if an actual human being is looking at this, they're gonna say, oh, okay, well, I know this is the actual email address and they're just adding a plus sign to it. Mm -hmm. But 
for all those spam bots out there and all those services out there that have your emails, they're not looking at it from the eyes of a human, right? Mm -hmm. They're looking at it from the eyes of a robot. So it is then directing that email to you and you can now know if one of those services has been compromised or has given your email account without your permission. So think about it like this. All the shopping you do on Walmart, you use Bob plus Walmart at gmail.com. Ah. One day you start getting all this spam from, from all these different people, but you look and you notice, oh, it's all coming to Bob plus Walmart at gmail.com. Oh. Where do you think that your email address was? Oh, was, yeah. So that's even sense. better. I love that. That's what I do for every service, oh. and I highly recommend doing it. So with Gmail, you just take your actual Gmail name right. before the at symbol, add the plus, and then whatever you want to stick in there, like you're at Zappos or Amazon, right. whatever, and then th that automatically forwards to your actual account. Yep. You can go try it right now. That's so cool. It is like, nice. I love that. That's brand new. So what's cool about Gmail is they have that nice filtering feature, and their spam engine's terrific. So... What you do is you just simply say filter, create a filter for that. Any email coming to Bob plus Walmart at gmail.com, automatically delete it or move it to my spam folder. Then you just start using a different one. And this is a good way to identify the people that are giving your email address away or have been compromised. No doubt. Ooh, I love this. That's it's a so great cool. thing. Yeah, really cool feature. The only downside to this that I have found in actual practical use is that sometimes unsubscribing to an actual newsletter that you did subscribe to can be a little difficult because okay. that plus sign can have a little issue. Like Dick's, for example, Sporting Goods, it's a nightmare trying to unsubscribe from that oh. with the plus sign. But <laughs> We won't go there. Just a heads up. So Darren, I know we're, we're coming up on the end of the show and I don't want to overwhelm people, right? I want this to come in little bite-sized chunks so people can digest it. They can follow through. They can take action today. Again, if you didn't listen to the previous episodes to this one about cybersecurity, please go back and start there. These come in a very particular order, and I know we've got so much more to cover. So, Darren, can I have you back? Absolutely. I'll be back. This is an ever-evolving field, and we're just here to help you not lose your mind and do this <laughs> one step at a time and figure it out. You got this. We're here for you. Awesome. This episode has been sponsored by CourageousConfidenceClub.com. It's a club that I've created specifically to help people who struggle with confidence and insecurities and social settings and, and just standing up for themselves, being yourself and feeling good about it. All of us could benefit from having more confidence. I'd love for you to just experience a taste of it. So please be my guest by going to shaleenjohnson.com forward slash confidence tips. Now, if you don't feel like writing that web address down or remembering to go there later, all you have to do is, while you're listening from your phone, send me a text message. The number is 949-565-4337, and that is for U.S. residents. Then just send me the word confidence, and I will send you access to this video. This video will help you to eliminate self-doubt and just feel more confident in any situation, whether it's work or personal or just your social interactions. Every one of us can benefit from having more confidence. There you'll submit your email address and I will immediately send to your inbox my latest training video. 
where I teach you step-by-step how to feel more confident in just about any social setting. I think you'll find this incredibly useful, whether it's business or personal or just in your everyday interactions. Confidence is something that makes life easier. It helps you to raise more confident, self-efficient children. It allows us to speak our mind, to stand up for ourselves, to do the things that otherwise we are paralyzed by fear and we just allow our own thoughts to stop us. By learning how to overcome self-doubt and fear of success, you can become that confident person that others are attracted to. The person you wanna be, the person you deserve to be, the person you know is inside of you. So thank you for checking out my free tools by going to shaleenjohnson.com forward slash confidence tips.